We are starting a new sermon series this uh, Sunday uh, for the Advent season. The series is called Feels Like Home. Feels Like Home, Church as Family. Let me ask, set it up this way, ask this question. How many of you ever wanted to change the world? Anybody ever want to change the world? Maybe when you were a kid, you know, I always did. I wanted to do something cool, save somebody's life, you know, be the superhero, come in and save the world from an evil alien or something. Like everybody wants to do that, wants to change the world. But as we get older, reality sets in, we realize our limitations, and we realize that, you know, there are more than 7 billion people on this planet. What can one of us do? to change the world, really not much. And we just kind of lose sight of that childlike wonder. But I believe that we can change the world. Let me tell you this story about a man named Alan from Colorado. Alan is a Christian and he wanted to have an impact in his neighborhood for the gospel, but he didn't know how to begin. Most of his neighbors barely knew each other, didn't, barely even knew their names. They would drive home, they would drive into their garage, shut the garage door and walk into their house without ever even seeing each other. If they did happen to cross paths while walking their dogs, they would just kind of smile and wave and, and then go on with their lives. Most of the neighbors barely even knew each other's names. And so Alan said, how can I get started having an impact for the gospel in my neighborhood? He, he decided uh, he would start Free Coffee Friday. Uh, See, a lot of the people that lived in Alan's neighborhood uh, are families with kids in school, and Alan's kids were in school. So he went to Walmart, and he bought one of those big coffee urns that makes 40 cups of coffee at a time, and he sent uh, invitations to all his neighbors, and then every Friday during the school year, he goes out and he sets up a table at the end of his driveway, and he makes 40 cups of coffee, and he gives a free cup of coffee to anybody that stops by. Well, it wasn't very long before all the neighbors started coming for a free cup of coffee, whether they're on their way to work, walking their kids out to the curb to get picked up by the bus. Even the school bus driver would stop and get a cup of coffee. Some people started bringing eggs and pancakes and sharing their meals. And and Alan says, the coffee is mediocre, but the connections run deep by the end of the school year. And that one little act, free, free Coffee Friday, that one little thing that he changed changed the entire dynamic of his neighborhood. Before, people barely knew each other's names. Suddenly, they're developing friendships. They're having each other over for dinner. They're putting their fire pits out in their driveways and they're sitting around them in the evening and they're talking and they're uh, conversing and they're getting to know one another and their kids start to play with one another. And it changed the entire dynamic of his neighborhood and it presented him a lot of opportunities to talk to people about Jesus. And some of his neighbors have received Christ and been saved because Alan started Free Coffee Friday. So the the reason why I say that is that Alan changed the world in his neighborhood. And he changed the lives of all of his neighbors and some of them, their lives have been changed for all of eternity because they received Jesus Christ. And so Alan's Free Coffee Friday changed the world. In a small way, but it still changed. And, and this, is the, this is the big idea of this whole series. The simplest way to change the world is through hospitality. As we're talking about Christmas, Thanksgiving, New Year's, feeling like we're at home, feeling connected, relationships, 
I believe the simplest way to change the world is through hospitality. And we're gonna talk about that over the next few weeks leading up to Christmas. Now, you may not know this, but hospitality is actually a major theme in the Bible, a major theme. And the reason you may not know it is because most churches don't preach on hospitality all that often. It shows up all the way throughout scripture, both Old Testament and New Testament, but we just don't preach about it all that. I've never done a sermon series on hospitality before. Uh, so I've been here six years. We've never preached uh, a sermon series on hospitality, but yet it is a major theme in the Bible. For example, look at Psalm 68 verses five and six. This is a description of who our God is. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. God sets the lonely in families. Our God is a hospitable God. He's a God who practices hospitality. He sets the lonely in families. And since our God is a hospitable God, we are supposed to be a hospitable people. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 18. Again, this is talking about God. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners. For you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. Practice hospitality, show hospitality, be like God. He's a hospitable God, we should be a hospitable people. Isaiah chapter 58, this is what God says to his people. Verse six, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? God says, you wanna fast? This is the kind of fasting that I've chosen. You wanna be religious? You wanna do religious things? It's not in the rituals, it's not in the traditions. It's the, that's not what true religion is. God says, this is, the, this is the true religion. This is the true fasting, sharing your food with the hungry, providing the poor wanderer with shelter. You see somebody who needs clothes, help them find clothing. Don't turn away from your own flesh and blood. He says, this is true religion. This is the religious practice that I desire. Proverbs chapter 25 takes this up even a notch more. If your, what's that say? Who? If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. Not if the person who looks just like you is hungry. Not if the person who drives the same kind of car you drive. Not if the person who uh, you're friends with, not your cousin, not your brother, not your neighbor, your enemy. Your, if your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. Hospitality shows up in the New Testament too. Romans chapter 12, verse 13, very simple verse. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Pretty clear, pretty straightforward. Doesn't need a whole lot of explanation. What about Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2? Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Now that is a cool verse. 
that person that you were kind to, that person that you helped, that person that you showed hospitality to, they might have been an angel in disguise. That's pretty neat. Uh, what about uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3? Hospitality is so important that the Apostle Paul says it is a requirement for being an overseer in his church, in God's church. 1 Timothy 3 2. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. And then the, the next few verses gives a whole other list of stuff. But it, an overseer is supposed to be hospitable. Hospitality is so important that it is a requirement for being an overseer or an elder in the church. And if I could come up with a theme verse for the whole series, it would be this out of 1 Thessalonians. When the Apostle Paul writes this in 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 7, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. I wanted to title the series, Not Only the Gospel, But Our Lives as Well, but that was just too long of a title. So we call it Feels Like Home. But this is the point, not just the gospel. We're not just out posting on social media about the gospel, but we're actually sharing our lives. We're not just out passing out gospel tracts to our neighbor on a plate of Christmas cookies, but we're actually sharing our lives with them as well. It's hospitality. The simplest way to change the world is through hospitality. Now, what is hospitality? It's a big question. What is hospitality? When I say the word hospitality, most of you probably have ideas that come to your mind. Throwing great dinner parties, having people into your house, bringing in a stranger off the street and letting them crash in your basement, giving a ride to a hitchhiker. I don't know. You probably have all kinds of ideas that come to mind. Not all of those ideas necessarily align with biblical hospitality. Hospitality, for example, is not really hosting great dinner parties. Some of you host amazing dinner parties. And, and, and I love dinner parties, so if you host them, invite me. Uh, some of you are great at doing that. You host great dinner parties. But hospitality is not necessarily the same thing as throwing a good party. And you might be sitting there thinking, I, I'm not good at hosting dinner parties. I don't know how to decorate. I'm not a great cook. I really don't, can't do hospitality. But hospitality is not about hosting great dinner parties. Hospitality is not really even necessarily inviting someone into your house. It's not necessarily th that, right? Jesus never invited anyone into his house. How do I know that? Because Jesus didn't have a house. He was homeless. He traveled around. He, he lived in a tent. He didn't invite anybody over to his house. Jesus invited himself over to other people's houses. He wasn't very Midwestern, right? Uh, Jesus invited himself over to Matthew's, uh, the tax collector's house. He invited himself over to Zacchaeus's house. He, this is what he did. And in so doing, he was inviting them into his life. And that's really what hospitality is. Hospitality is inviting someone into your life in Christ. It is sharing your life in Jesus with another person. It's not necessarily throwing a great dinner party. It's not necessarily inviting someone into your house. It is inviting someone into your life in Christ. 
Someone from our church family who is a, a beautiful example of hospitality, throws great dinner parties, cooks delicious food, but understands the true nature of hospitality, told me this one time, my goal is for people to feel welcomed into our home and to feel loved and cared for. I only use the food as a tool to accomplish my goal. The point isn't the decorations. The point isn't the party. The point isn't the food. All that stuff, just a tool. Because the real point is making people feel welcomed and loved and cared for. And that's why that person is gifted in hospitality. They understand what real hospitality is. Now, how does hospitality change the world? I said that at the beginning. The simplest way to change the world is by hospitality. Well, how does uh, inviting someone into my life in Christ, how does that actually change the world? Well, I think there are two realities at, uh, currently present in our society right now that set up hospitality to, to change the world. The first one is this. People are never more isolated than they are, have never been more isolated than they are right now. In our society, people have never been more isolated than they are right now. Even, even back all the way in the pioneer days when people had to communicate by Pony Express, life was more communal, people were more connected. We're so isolated and individualistic in our society today, people have never been more isolated. Uh, Shad shared these statistics a few weeks ago and I think they're worth repeating because they're rather startling. The US Surgeon General, Dr. Vivek Murthy, says that loneliness, isolation, and a lack of connection is an ongoing public health crisis. More than 50% of U.S. adults report feeling measurable experiences of loneliness. More than half the adults in the United States say, yeah, I feel lonely. And here's the public health crisis. Isolation and loneliness contributes to 29% increased risk of heart disease, 32% increased risk of stroke, 50% increased risk of dementia, and 60% increased risk of premature death. Our isolation is literally killing us. But we don't often feel isolated Sometimes we do in a moment of loneliness, but a lot of times we don't necessarily feel isolated because we are connected by these wonderful little devices that are on all the time and sending us notifications. And I don't know how many uh, text messages and emails I got yesterday for Black Friday or, you know, Friday for Black Friday. Oh, it's Black Friday, Black Friday, right? But we feel connected all the time by these little devices and, and we don't often feel or notice the isolation and the loneliness until it really hits hard. Think about it like this. We are a society of people dying from relational malnutrition, but we don't often feel hungry for friendship because we've just eaten a bag of social media Skittles, you take somebody who's dying from malnutrition, literally starving to death, but they don't feel hungry because they just ate a two-pound bag of Skittles. Is, are, is that bag of Skittles going to do anything for them? No. They will die because Skittles is not food. Right? And that's how our society is living. We are dying from isolation and loneliness and a lack of connection, and we don't notice it because we have the junk food of social media on our devices all the time and as a result people have never been more isolated than they are right now 
And the second reality that sets us up to change the world through hospitality is this. The world learns about God not by watching Christian movies, but by watching Christians. It's a quote from Phil Vischer, who's the creator of VeggieTales. He makes Christian movies and Christian TV shows. But he recognizes that the world does not learn about God by watching VeggieTales or The Chosen or God's Not Dead. The world learns about God by watching Christians. People know what Jesus is like by knowing followers of Jesus. And if that's true, then we have to ask ourselves, number one, do the people in my life even know that I'm a Christian? Do the people in your workplace know that you're a Christian? If somebody said, what are you doing on Sunday? And you said, oh, I'm going to church. Would they, what? You go to church? Seriously? I would have never guessed. Do they know that you're a Christian? And secondly, if they do know that you're a Christian, what does your life say about the character of God? Because people aren't reading blog posts by Christian authors. People aren't watching God's not dead to learn about who God is. Unbelievers in the world around us are not engaging in the Christian blogosphere. Unbelievers in the world around us, the only way they will ever learn about God or about Jesus is by watching Christians. So what is your life saying about the character of God? Oh, God's too busy. So busy, run, 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 go, 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 go. Busy, 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 busy. God doesn't really have time for me. Is that what our lives are saying? These two realities, that people have never been more isolated than than they are right now and that the world learns about God by watching Christians, these two realities come together to produce what I think is perhaps the greatest opportunity of the last 200 years in our society to have an impact for the gospel. We have never had a better opportunity to share and show the love of Christ than we have right now in our society. We are poised to change the world in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces and in our schools. How? By showing people the goodness of Jesus Christ through inviting them into our lives in Jesus, through sharing our life in Christ with them, being a true friend having and practicing that hospitality that the world is devoid of and missing. And we have a tremendous opportunity that we've not had before in our society. The biggest opportunity, at least in a few generations, I think at least in the last couple of hundred years, to change people's lives by sharing the love of Christ. How will people learn to watch Christians if they're not involved in our lives, that's the, that's the big thing. So, the third question, and we'll close the message with this, how can we start practicing hospitality realistically? If hospitality is inviting someone into your life in Christ, and hospitality is the simplest way to change the world, how do we do it? How do we start practicing hospitality in a realistic sense? Because we're busy Americans, go, 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 do, 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 busy, busy, busy all the time. So how do we start doing it? Well, a couple of things here. First of all, be willing to initiate. Introverts, I'm sorry. I'm an introvert. I don't like to initiate socially. But God has called us to take the initiative, to take the first step, to reach out, to introduce ourselves, to say hi. So we have to be willing to initiate. Several years ago, Christian singer and songwriter Matthew West wrote a song 
And, and in the lyrics of the song, he talks about how he's looking around and he sees children starving to death and injustice and violence and poverty in the world. And he said, I, I shook my fist at, at heaven and I said, God, why don't you do something? And then God said, I did. I created you. Right? Why doesn't God do something about everything that's wrong in our society? He did. He created us. He sent us here. It's time for us to do something to be willing to take the initiative to reach out to somebody else to practice hospitality. So how do we do it? Well, number one, be willing to initiate. Number two, understand that small changes add up to big differences. How do you lose 30 pounds? Lose one pound a week for 30 weeks. You'll lose 30 pounds. Small changes add up to big differences. Here are a couple of small changes that we can make in our lives. This comes from uh, the book, The Simplest Way to Change the World, which is all about biblical hospitality. Here's one of them. One of the most countercultural things we can do is have an entire conversation with someone without checking our phone. An entire conversation and never pull your phone out one time. Small little change. But do you realize that virtually nobody does that anymore? Almost nobody. One tiny little change and it will add up to a big difference. Here's another one. Practice the always say hi rule. Well, what's the always say hi rule? Uh, it's simply this. When you're outside and you see your neighbors, instead of just waving, smiling, and turning around and going in your house, say hi. Just make it a rule. If I'm pushing my cash, trash can out to the uh, curb and my neighbor walks by, I'm always going to say hi. If I'm walking the dog and the neighbor's out, I'm always going to say hi. Hey, how's it going? How are you? Hello, how are you? Just simple hospitality. A small change, but it will add up to a big difference. It will open up opportunities for conversations. Small things that make big differences. There are a lot of other things we could talk about, but I wanted to highlight those too. Put your phones away and practice the always say hi rule. So be willing to initiate, understand that small changes add up to big differences, and number three, start with the people sitting around you right now. If you're an introvert or you're not comfortable uh, taking the, the initiative socially, we'll start with people who are safe, your church family. It's time to take the initiative, it's time to do something. Start with the people sitting around you right now. So here's what I want us to do. We're gonna take the last few minutes of the service today and I want you to connect with each other. So I want you to look around, find someone that you don't know or you haven't seen in a long time and I want you to go up and talk to them. I want you to introduce yourself. If you, if you introduce yourself and they say, yeah, I know you, just say, you know what, I'm still hung over from tryptophan. I ate too much turkey on Thanksgiving. My brain's a little foggy. It's okay. Uh, we're, it, grace. We're just giving each other grace. So Put up this slide. Here's what I, I want you to share one thing you're thankful for. I mean, it's just Thanksgiving season, so let's do the, the old tradition. I want you to share what is a favorite holiday tradition. And then if you're really feeling brave, I want you to ask, can we grab lunch or coffee sometime? <gasps> I would love to see Culver's like blown out by Lakeview people every Sunday because we're asking each other out for lunch or coffee, right? And, and I have had a lot of people tell me, I came to your church and I sat in the back for six weeks and nobody talked to me. That's sad. 
But I want to encourage you, don't wait. If you're new, go talk to somebody else. They're probably new too, right? Don't wait. Get up, take the initiative, go talk to somebody. But listen, you say, uh, isn't it weird? People just want to come and they want to sit in the back and they want to be invisible and they don't want to be bothered. So we don't want to go up and talk to them because then they'll think we're weird and they won't come back. No, listen, we are weird, number one, so just embrace it. But number two, that's a lie. That is a lie that has been peddled by church marketers in the church growth system. Well, if you get your marketing and your formula and everything just right, then your church will grow and you'll be the next mega church. Well, our goal isn't to be the next mega church. Our goal is to love God and love one another. And let God worry about if we're a mega church or if we're not a mega church. I don't care. The point is, it's a lie. It's a lie that we should not say hi, that we should give people space. No, no, no. If we're going to make a mistake... On, I would rather, if we're going to err on one side or the other, I would rather land on the side of people saying, I'm not going back to that church. They're way too friendly. <laughs> Have you ever heard anybody say that? Well, I'm not going to that, that church. That church is way too friendly. How in the world? I don't want to go there. No, people say, I don't want to go to that church because nobody talked to me. They're not friendly. I, that's not. The culture that we're wanting to establish at Lakeview is a culture that says, if you come here to visit us and don't get invited out for lunch, it should be weird. It should be totally normal to in, be invited for lunch, to invite somebody out for lunch, to go up and introduce yourself to somebody you don't know. That's normal. That's the culture we want to establish. So let's take the next five or, t- or six minutes or so. Uh, introduce yourselves. Talk to people. What's one thing you're thankful for? What's a favorite holiday tradition? And if you're really feeling brave, can we grab lunch or a coffee sometime?